as we celebrate uh, the Thursday after Ash Wednesday, I think there's just a simple message for us all that sometimes we can overlook. And I think it's just the, the word that should never be in a disciple's vocabulary. There's these words that we should not say or ought not say, or at least say them less. And the beautiful thing, I think the word is only, it's only four letters long, if my English is correct. And it's just the word mine. M-I-N-E. And I just bring that up in the sense of the Lord says to us very clearly, you know, after he tells us that he is going to die for us. He's going to be rejected, right? Um, But he will be raised. He just turns around and gently looks at everybody. He says, if you wish to come after me, which means now you're behind him, you're not ahead of him very quickly, you must deny yourself. So that means... Um, I have to remember that my life is not my own anymore. My life is not about me anymore. And I take up that cross daily to follow him, that cross of constant surrender, constant surrender. So if anybody says, uh, for me, sometimes they say, oh, that's a nice truck. And I'm like, it's the Lord's. Because really, um, everything we have has to belong to Jesus and the beautiful thing is, it actually makes saying thank you much easier. And I remember last night when Deacon Paul was talking about um, give the importance of appreciation, right? And I think sometimes some of the hardest things to do is just to say the words thank you, right? For the things that the Lord has given us, the talents, the gifts, the, the different charisms. Uh, and, and you know, you and I are going to fall like a thousand times in that, right? It's not that when you fail... Uh, or if you fail, it's just the fact that you're going to fail, right? We're all going to make mistakes. Um, but the important thing is to not quit. Not quit on the idea of perseverance. Because I just wonder how many times the Lord told this to his disciples, you know. In order for his word to be handed on to his apostles, his closest followers, it must have been like a recording, right? Over and over and over and over. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. But the importance of him saying that he must suffer greatly, oddly, shows us a new sense of sweetness of following Jesus in suffering. And no, we don't go out looking for suffering. But when you taste suffering, the the worldly option is to reject it. But the heavenly option, if we deny ourselves, heaven opens up into our soul. And he says, you're just getting an ounce, a sliver of how much you mean to Jesus, how much pain he went through for you. And he oddly allows us to feel his passion. So our suffering now can be redemptive and we can offer it up for others, right? And that's why he says, you know, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you want to lose your life, for Christ's sake, you will save it. And just very clearly ask, clearly ask yourselves, he says, what profit is there for one to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit himself? And quite clearly, I just want to encourage you to say, I'm proud of you that you're here, because a lot of people need to be here, and they're literally, literally forfeiting their lives. Like, we need Jesus. We need the sacraments. We need the constantly reminded that our lives are not our own. You know, and, we, and we say, how can I pay you back? How can I repay you, Lord Jesus? I think often he just says, give me your hands. 
You know, give me your, your feet. Give me your eyes. Give me your tongue so I can speak through you. Give me your mind so that you may think as I think, not as the world thinks. And he gives us back his spirit, right? He gives us his Holy Spirit. And above all, he wants your heart more than what you do. He wants your undivided attention. And man, is that hard, right? Sometimes we just think it's so easy. And those times where you and I are just, in essence, calm before the Lord, we're not tempted to even grab for things. Like those are very precious and special moments. I think yesterday we had a key to uh, something that maybe we don't look at. And I just want to briefly look at it to maybe give you a little bit of help as you go into Lent. Because usually during Lent we talk about prayer. And then what are the other two? Fasting Fasting, and giving alms, right? But I don't know if you heard this yesterday from the reading from the prophet Joel that we hear every year, by the way. But he says, you know, return to me with your whole heart. With fasting, yeah, one of those. But the other two are kind of strange. He says weeping and mourning. Right? Weeping and mourning. You know, Jesus wept over the death of others. And he mourned. But I wonder if we maybe need to do that before we get to prayer, fasting, almsgiving. We start with fasting, yes, abstain from things but not for our own sake, for the conversion of others, of course, but also weeping. I don't know, I mean, I preached about it last night, but it, it just breaks my heart that the current generation, Gen Z, is the most anxious and depressed generation to ever exist. Like, if that doesn't break your heart that you have friends that, or people your age that are extremely depressed and anxious, like, that should make us weep. Because Jesus wept over the death of Lazarus. We know that. But also mourning and grieving that people, the average age in the United States is going down, right? That's, that's sad. And maybe through our tears, our prayers are more powerful. I've just, I've just encountered a lot of students who, who don't believe that they can cry in front of other people. I don't know where that, that comes from, but there's so much fear of being vulnerable. But they're not your tears anymore if you've denied yourself. There's, no, there's really no mine in the vocabulary of a disciple. And as you imagine your friends, you imagine your family members, maybe some of them do know the Lord, maybe some of them don't. But there are times where we just got to weep. And we just have to use those powerful, tearful prayers for the conversion of souls and if you're ever moved in Bible study or at meal or in conversation, it's just important to be vulnerable. And sometimes the hardest thing to do in vulnerability is to shed tears. Because what that does often is gives others permission to do the same. But what happens if you and I hold our tears in? We get the, I don't, I don't know, I don't have a word for this. We get that, you know, like where we just like can't control ourselves. And like that can be kind of embarrassing in itself. And sometimes the Lord, Lord's like, let me spare you that. So little by little, don't be afraid to shed tears over beauty, right? Beautiful things, a kind act. And let yourself feel deeply. Little by little, don't be afraid to shed tears over sad things, over acts of mercy, over 
Jesus crucified, over his love for you in the Eucharist, over those who are suffering, right? There's different types of tears. Tears of joys, tears of sorrow, tears of repentance. And maybe that's how you and I are called to deny ourselves and take up our cross. To start thinking, everything I have is the Lord's, even my tears. And maybe over the sadness of others, our tears is what will convert them to know, to physically show that we care about them. So we just take a moment of silence to pray for the grace to deny ourselves, pick up our crosses, but knowing that there's redemption in our suffering. And there is one word maybe we should focus on saying less, which is mine. And maybe we should repeat the words, it is the Lord's. We thank him and praise him for giving us himself in this Mass. And we ask for the grace to fast well this Lent, to weep well this Lent, and to mourn well this Lent. Amen.